Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Lavender Menace podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Renaissance. And I'm Sunny. Ooh, and we're in California. Yes. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes. So, but now we're in NorCal. Yes, we're San in Francisco. San Francisco. A very gay city. Yeah. And that's important because we will be talking about <laughs> gay things. Taylor Swift. Right? <laughs> Del- delusional gay things yes. today. Uh, because Speak Now, Taylor's version was recently released, and we have to talk about that, of course. But we, we do have some Gaylor-related hot takes that have been sitting in our inbox to discuss with y'all. And so we're just going to jump right in. Before, So we, uh, of course, hot takes, media analysis, and then recommendations, as usual. And so, yeah, our first hot take is from Jess. And the subject line says, my hot takes, parentheses, they're hot. Hey guys, my name's Jess, she, her. Hot take number one. Recently, people have been complaining online about the demographic of Boy Genius concerts and how these kids don't know how to handle themselves at concerts and are too young and annoying and how everyone hates being around them so much. While in my core, I would love to be going to 18 plus only concerts, I don't blame these teen girls. I honestly think blaming them is weird and wrong. Firstly, the people they're complaining about are typically girls aged 16 to 18. So this means that they probably haven't gone to their first concert until recently or hadn't been since 2019. Why is it their fault? Who the hell ever has was taught concert etiquette in the years prior to 2020? Also, why are you blaming high schoolers who either can't drive or just got their license <laughs> and are either unemployed or working part-time jobs for not being seasoned concert goers? We all have the internet clearly and we can see and can see how fucking high concert prices are. Boy Genius concert tickets started at $40 but resold for like 200. Secondly, when have concerts ever been comfortable or had good etiquette or had nobody singing in the crowd? Like, seriously, what are you referring to? Most people with this take are like me in their 20s, so I seriously don't fucking know what they're referring to. I think concerts have better etiquette now than they did before, especially a chill-ass scene like Boy Genius. Third, I think being so overtly mad at teen girls online behind a screen is so fucking early 2000s. Like, are you guys serious? I've tried sharing this take before, and it has been... And it has not been received well, but I honestly think being so upset with teen girl behavior is misogynistic. Sorry. With this take, I'm not referring to like Astro World or Playboy Cardi stuff, just boy genius. <laughs> hot take number two, which I don't have strong feelings about, but it is certainly hot for some people. I'm a huge Taylor fan, but I don't care about streaming Taylor Swift's re-recordings at all. The originals are better. She is almost a billionaire. She doesn't need my streams on covers of her own music. I'm not listening to Reputation or 1989 re-record. Like, you're kidding me. Vault tracks are nice, but at what cost? Also, I don't get when fans are so excited for Easter eggs about a re-record. Like, you know it's coming. Anyways, that's all. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. (laughs) I really like that last one. (laughs) Why are you so excited about Easter eggs on a re-record? You know it's coming. That's actually a very good point. That is a good point. You got me there. Yeah. No, I think, like... With concert going etiquette, it's it's true in that what people have always been like this. <laughs> I don't know. Concerts have always just been like that. I don't I don't know. I feel there has at least from the education scene, it seems like teenage behavior has become slightly more rowdy than more unruly yeah, than more previous un- generations more unruly than a couple years ago or uh-huh. like just pre-pandemic teens which if you're in your early 20s uh-huh. you most likely were uh-huh. but i i i think it's like concerts kind of 
were unruly or uncomfortable to go to. People didn't go to them for two years and mm-hmm. romanticized the concert going mm-hmm, experience. Mm-hmm. And then went back to going to concerts, was shocked at the reality again, mm-hmm. even if it isn't that much different than it was before. Mm-hmm. And whenever anyone's upset, a really easy way to complain about it is to blame teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's like a mix of things. I don't know. I feel like whenever I went out into public spaces or on my own for the first time, my parents told, told me how to behave. Yeah, told me how to behave or I kind of like knew what the expectation was. Or, or usually the way that I operate is just by mimicking what the other people around who look comfortable mm-hmm. are doing. But I don't know, not every, I think the, there's been a lot of videos of things being, like, thrown at performers recently, and, like, not even, like, tossed on stage to, like, give to them, but, like, hitting them, them. yeah, Yeah. hitting them with them. Like, in the face, like. And that, I feel like there were less videos of that, to be honest. I'm not blaming teenage girls, I'm just saying, like, in the overall concert-going experience, I think the way that performers are treated on stage Mm -hmm. is more of what has changed, rather than how it feels to be in the audience mm-hmm. in my experience and of course if you're next to someone who is that rowdy person who might be throwing things on stage mm-hmm. then that's probably not pleasant mm-hmm. <laughs> i would yeah. assume i would not want to be next to yeah. that person but i think boy genius f- fans and concert goers complaining about this specifically is very what's the word it's very like um what do they want it like a braiding circle (laughs) a hair braiding circle it's very narcissism of small differences i feel Mm. like it's like you know the idea that the more as wikipedia says the more a relationship or community shares commonalities the more likely the people in it are to engage in interpersonal feuds and mutual ridicule because of hypersensitivity to minor differences perceived in each other yeah, I feel like that's what's happening. So boy genius fans being mad at each other. It's just yeah. like the Spider-Man meme. Just like Well, blaming. not even that. It's like it's like you guys are all if it, and it's kind of like be like we have a bonus episode where we talk about our experience at the Era's Taylor Swift concert. I feel yeah. like if you go into a concert being kind of bitter and mad, you're also gonna and be like, wow, these fucking loser ass teen girls, these loser ass bitches are are ruining concerts, and then that's also gonna be your conclusion. I don't yeah. know. Like you kind of don't like, you almost have like a confirmation bias. Yeah, don't you have an expectation of like the audience before you get there? I don't know, I do. Like <laughs> we we knew it was going to be moms and like teens yeah. and like some gay people, like fucking duh. So, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's not their fault. I think also just teenagers learning how to behave in society and in public spaces is just a part of the natural growth mm-hmm. of life. I also think that being a teenager and seeing people talk about how annoying teenagers are in mm-hmm. a way socially beats the annoyingness out of you by the time you get to your 20s uh-huh. that I think is important or trying to beat the annoying teenager allegations is important <laughs> in becoming normal in public <laughs> at least it was for me uh-huh. so it's like in a way it's like obviously there is complaining about teenagers that is or teen girls specifically that's like misogynistic mm-hmm. and then there's some that's just like yeah, after you stop becoming a teenager and you're no longer in that flow, it does come off as annoying. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but but how people talk about it is, you yeah. know, it's it's more about like where are their parents? Their mm-hmm. parent. If if your parents are sending you out to a concert, your parents should also equip you with what the behavioral expectations are. I think. 
I feel like... I don't believe in blaming kids. I blame parents. My worst concert-going experience in terms of, like, etiquette and other people in the audience was... I was seeing Aurora live in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and I was, I was like, barricade, but there's one... There's, like, two people in front of me who, who were actually barricade. Like, I was right behind them, and they mm-hmm. were barricade, and... One of them smelled so bad. Like shower before. Like you literally shower. smelled so like the bo was crazy. So please wear some fucking deodorant. You're about to get hit with some ableism, <laughs> some privilege of diet discourse, some anyway. That's that's sorry. When you're on Twitter so long, you can predict the absurd discourse after any sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the re-records, it's like I don't. I think the re-recordings are you like no one is. You don't have to stream them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no need to. I think that the cultural hype around it and around her sort of being like well because I can't buy my master's back then I'm just going to do this instead is like it it has had the impact that it has had and Mm -hmm. that and it's brought the awareness that about how the music industry works that it has Mm -hmm. and I think that it used to be, like, her main fans were the ones who were excited about the re-recordings. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like with each re-recording that yes. gets released, the... Fan base just gets bigger. The fan base mm-hmm. gets bigger, and also, like, the amount of coverage and release and stuff, yeah. and, like... I don't know. I feel like it's just gotten bigger over time, where now the, almost the expectation of investment has also been higher. Yes. Whereas before, I think, when it started, it was, like... Listen if you want to or don't. Yeah. And that has become more militant, I think. No, yeah. The Even hype... though we're people who listen yes. to the re-records, I'm not like, and you better listen to the re-records. Right. No, the, the hype is very much real. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't buy into it, then you don't buy into it. I also think it's fun for Swifties to like, criticize her. Yeah. <laughs> for her re-recordings. And not for, but like, how her re-recordings sound and what they're like versus the original tracks. Also, like, having grown up with her OG albums and them being what they are, like, now revisiting them with her being like, and at this point in my life, this was happening and these were the vibes and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it's, it's just she's making it an experience for her mm-hmm. fans and to grow her fan base and that's and it's getting to the point for people that it's like people are like hating cuz you know <laughs> when you, when you get like when you reach maximum capacity of like love and support and now everyone has to start hating you know when you yeah. get too popular you have like when something is too widely supported it has you gotta have haters <laughs> so I feel like it's kind of like that as well and also mm. if you don't care you just don't care and that's fine I agree also I just really enjoy her voice which like mm-hmm. we'll talk about more when we talk about yeah. the album but I for her re-recordings I honestly just look forward to hearing more of what her voice sounds like right now because it's really just folklore evermore and I guess midnights but like that also has more production in the songs, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so with the re-recordings, it's... To me, the re-recordings don't replace the originals. So if you're someone who 
there are certain tracks on the original albums that you prefer more, or even just the entire album, mm-hmm. that's fine. It's always yeah. gonna be there. Like if you're if you listened to 1989 when it came out, and you're still gonna listen to the original album, like that's for, or at least for me, like that's ten years of listening to that same recording of the same album, mm-hmm. and I'm still gonna return to it. It's nice, or it will be nice to see what like the reimagined version is like it's just i just mm-hmm. see it as more of options rather than like i see it more as having options now rather as than to like a compulsory yeah <laughs> or like the original's dead to me now yeah it's only re-recordings from here on out yeah i mean i think like a lot of people are like oh i i think her her older voice and like her the different production and stuff now on I think Jack Antonoff needs to be retired. (laughs) That's for sure. Like, just take a break. Right, right, right. But, like, people think that about Red a lot, Mm -hmm. and specifically Red. They Mm -hmm. think that the original for a lot of... The originals for a lot of the songs are, like, better than the re-recordings. And I don't know. I don't know if people say that as much for Fearless. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. But I, I, like, because I am lazy i just listened to the taylor's version album of songs of taylor's version of songs that have been now released Mm -hmm. because it's all there like (laughs) yeah it's easier to do that for me personally than for me to like either pick and choose which tracks i prefer or to or to just stick with the like OG album mm-hmm. I don't know because it's her most recent release or one of her more recent releases mm-hmm. and I don't have that sentimental attachment to the production and vocal quality of the original albums in a way that a lot of her like longtime fans do because like I loved her songs as a kid like mm-hmm. I remember listening to the a, a CD at my after school program of like all the Grammy winning tracks. Oh, whoa. Of That's a cool CD. Yeah, all the Grammy winning tracks of like a certain year. Mm-hmm. And Mean was on there. And I was like, well, this fucks. <laughs> and I remember, like, I remember, of course, being obsessed with 1989. And like, so I remember these moments. And of course, Fearless's whole moment and all of the huge tracks mm-hmm. were major parts of my childhood because they were for everyone yeah. but I think like part of heightening that experience of nostalgia is also like doing it with doing it with her all because she's also revisiting it in, yeah and it's it's nostalgic for her and part of the re-release and part of the revisiting it and like writing new prologues for it and doing all doing all the rollout for it is like it's it's fun. It's fun to engage in some in some hype and some pop culture bullshit. Like it's just mm-hmm. fun for people. Exactly. I feel like the original recordings will always be tied to my memories of hearing of that it for time. the first Versus time. Versus these ones are for now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I feel older with Taylor Swift. Yes. Obviously, that's the nature of the passage of time. Yeah. So, like the original nineteen eighty nine will always be eighth grade yes. to me like yeah. that like that like like when the re-release happens that is not gonna be my eighth grade album that's uh-huh. going to be however old I am yeah. when that re-release yeah. happens and same thing with like red and hearing 22 mm-hmm. like that will always be like 
fifth, sixth grade. Like, mm-hmm. the original, like, love story, the original, like... Mm-hmm. You Belong uh, With Me. Yes, You Belong yeah. With Me. Like, all of those songs are going to still be attached to elementary school memories Mm -hmm. and obviously listening to the lyrics i remember oh and i first heard that song Mm -hmm. like you know that's how old i was Mm -hmm. or something like that but i find the re-releases just to be fun as an adult hearing Mm -hmm. the albums come out rather than it being some sort of replacement yes for the songs and i think i'm particularly interested in how she revisits 1989 the reputation because of how she's developed as a pop artist since those albums Mm -hmm. and how is Jack Antonoff gonna produce those albums? <laughs> <laughs> it's Trover. Sorry. And I'm also so excited to see her like collabs and her bonus tracks and stuff cut and mm-hmm. you know the from the vault tracks because you know, like I think the choices that she made for the collabs and the from the vault tracks for like Speak Now and Fearless and Red were all were were all really like interesting mm-hmm. and there are hits and misses, and, like, we'll get into it, but mm-hmm. I, I think that is, it, it's, it's interesting, and it's, and it's fun for me, because it's, like, you can see why songs were included in the final cut. Yeah. And you... Yes, you can. Yes, yes you can. You can. And you can see what, what makes them better now, like, why they can be released now when they couldn't have been released 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and some things, sometimes it's kind of obvious, and other times it's, like... It's interesting because her PR, like, identity has changed so much since each of these eras. Like, Red, she was the millennial twee girl, like, the the indie bitch. Who did not play. Yeah. Did not play about the fucking, like... Black and white and red pop of color. Those those fuck-ass, like, striped Striped, (laughs) t-shirts. And sunglasses. Yeah. She did not play about that Blunt shit. Blunt bang with a sharpness. <laughs> no, like... Scissors sharpened every morning and the morning growth trimmed off. No, like, it was very serious. And I think that is just... It's just fun to see how, like... She was like, yeah, no, and that was, that was me. And this is me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is me now. Grown up. Yeah. Adult and grown as hell. Yeah. Still and still singing 22 at her concert. <laughs> at her grown ass at age. At her grown ass age. Oh, God. But, yeah, I mean, but again, do I'm not really that invested in what other people think about the re-recordings. Yeah. I just know how I feel exactly. about the re-recordings. Exactly. I'm not... There's no... This is not a, like... I don't, I don't care. Stream whatever you want. <laughs> and that's that. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. Thank you, Jess, for the email. Yes. Next one is from Anonymous. They say, hey, Sunny and Renaissance. This is an ice cold take at best, but does not need to be, oh, and does not need to be in the podcast. Hello. You are. <laughs> but I had to get this out because none of my friends are gaylers. Sigh. I had this thought while listening to Fearless on repeat that, quote, the way I loved you is really gay. Mm -hmm. The narrator is talking about two different Mm -hmm. relationships, the lesbian one, which is passionate, although complicated, and the straight one, which is just (laughs) boring. Not sure how I didn't realize this before, if I'm being honest. Also, it's a little Evelyn Hugo-esque. Yes. (laughs) Because, like, Evelyn and Celie's relationship was very flawed, but none of their other relationships compared to the passion they felt for each other. Anyway, congrats on graduation. Aw, thank you. And I hope you're doing well. 
Thank you, Anonymous, very much. Yeah. No. The Way I Loved You has always been a gay-ass song. Yes. Because what what way? (laughs) Funny how way rhymes with what word? Exactly. That's an Easter egg. The Gay I Loved You. Parenthetical. Right, the way I loved you, gay. Yeah. <laughs> the gay way I loved gay. you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right, right. Um, the homosexual way that I loved you. Right, because who's screaming and crying and kissing in the rain? <laughs> gay <laughs> like, people. <laughs> uh, no, and I and it's gay also because I listen to the song and I think and that's real as fuck. And if if I listen to a song and I think that's real as fuck, then it's gay. Well, and I hope that answers your question. <laughs> If you think it's gay, it's gay. Yeah. And that should be enough to give you peace. And if your friends aren't gaylers, they should at least support you um, wholeheartedly in that, Right. And then another, our final gayler hot take, our final hot take for this episode is about Hailey Kyoko and Taylor Swift. Hot take. The fact that Taylor sang with Hailey, including, there's a link to a YouTube video, I think from the Reputation Tour. Including the line, you say you wanted me, but you're sleeping with him, and then laughs after. The same summer, she may have stopped talking to Carly, and also said, I really love her music, when introducing literal lesbian Jesus needs to be added to Gaylor analysis. That's all, I love you so much. P.S., by the way, don't listen to it with a girlfriend, just my lesbian best friend. <laughs> because you're feminist. Because that's God-honoring. That's son of sans coded. Yes, that's son of sans coded. Exactly, the correct way. Yeah, no. And I think her relationship to Hailey Kyoko and her music mm-hmm. is so fundamental to Gaylorism. Yeah. Especially because, yeah. like, this was, shit that's was the happening. That's the book of Genesis. Right. This shit was happening in, what, 2018? Like, it's like, no. Because she... who was friends with Hailey Kyoko? <laughs> well, before we started recording, I made the joke yeah. of, is Hailey Kyoko the person that Taylor went, hey, I have a question. <laughs> so, how did you know that, like, you kind of started to, like, like girls? Like, I don't know. I've just been, like, kind of, like, wondering. And I've been, like, wanting to ask you just, like, your thoughts on it. And, like, Haley was, like, right. <laughs> because, I'm sorry, but what just... If Taylor was as straight as her as her official stance is, uh-huh. why the fuck would Haley Kyoko be friends? Why would they be friends? Well, I be think honest. It's, I think it's funny because... Hailey Kyoko's girlfriend has been on a podcast and been like, and been like, I think sh- Taylor and Carly Cross dated. And like, isn't that well, so funny? But also, yes. like, no, I think Swifties kind of look back on the Reputation tour, or on the Reputation era fondly in that Taylor was kind of hated by everyone except her fans. Mm, yes. So yes, they like. They liked that, which they liked that because that meant that she interacted with them more on like Tumblr and stuff, right? Yeah. And I think that during that time, because she had a smaller audience, she could do more of the queer flagging and Mm -hmm. just doing gay shit on main on stage without people really caring or picking up or noticing it because people didn't really give a fuck about her in that way at that point, anyways. I mean, of course, she was still like her stadium tour, still like sold crazy like crazy numbers but yeah pop culturally people were not fucking with her Mm -hmm. and so and that didn't really recover it started recovering a little bit when she like broke her political silence 
uh, like, but then she was getting hit with the performative. Biden cookies. No, right. No, she was getting hit with the performative activism allegations, the white feminist allegations, mm-hmm. left, right, center, whatever. And then folklore dropped and it's, well, she's an indie queen. Like. <laughs> it's whatever. She's right. whatever. And then it's, and then it's like, okay, third Grammy. No, well, I guess, I guess we have to put some respect on her name, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like at, we're at this point in her career, she just, she can't just be bringing Hilly Kyoko on stage, but she is going to have a group chat with Muna. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just like very unserious how she has like a gaggle of like lesbian friends and they come to her parties and stuff and... Well, she is straight, but she's she's the Eliza. <laughs> what, that maybe that's what we haven't been considering. Because if imagine if you put Eliza in the public eye the way that Taylor Swift was, she would have like the allegations. The She'd have a lie gaze. Like a lie gaze. Like like for real. And now now I'm worried because actually that could be likely. Because imagine someone making a thread of being like, look at Eliza hanging out with Sun Essence, and you're telling me that she's not a lesbian? And it'd be like, how would she defend herself against that? No, because our, our, our one friend who has been on the podcast with us, like, really early on, mm-hmm. like, 30, 45 episodes ago, yes. swiped up on your story and was like, oh, Eliza is femme fishing. fishing. <laughs> and I was like, yes, we told her to. <laughs> When you hang out with us, we're three fans. Because we went to Pride together, Mm -hmm. and it was was the three of us, and you know, Eliza... And also gay bars after, during Pride Month. (laughs) No, like, Eliza... Like, hang out, and they're, like, almost nearly exclusively gay spaces. Eliza is so beloved, and, you know, she... If you follow me on Instagram, she's the blonde one. (laughs) No, yeah, She's, she's the blonde one with straight hair. Mm-hmm. And looks like a femme, but it's not. <laughs> the blonde femme who isn't a femme is Eliza. Right, and she's like cis hat. Isn't mm-hmm. that crazy? Anyway, so yeah, okay, let's get into our Speak Now TV rankings. rankings. As we do for albums here at the Lavender Menace. At the Lavender Menace Factory. Yep, Inc. Incorporated LLC. Yeah. Okay, bottom to top as usual. Yeah, and I don't... Bottoms first. Bottoms to the front. I don't think people are going to be happy with my rankings. And once again, what's new? I feel like my ranking is very... (sighs) People always got... This is the one thing that people always got something to say about how... They have smoke for you every time. They do. And at this point, I just accept it. I can talk about movies, TV shows, (laughs) books. I can talk about... You can talk about bisexuals. I can talk about (laughs) bisexuals. Let me ring an album. The second she rings a fucking album, it's Joker. And people are like, the Patreon episodes are like, I just don't want to fuck with Ron Swanson. And it's like, okay. You know what, Shay? That's because she ranked Normal Girl by SZA in the bottom third. Remember that, guys? Sound off. (laughs) No, no, listen. Okay. No, I was going to say, I feel like mine are pretty generic. Mine is like, Mm. if you took the average... If you took the average consensus <laughs> yeah. of the of the Taylor Swift listening population, mm-hmm. this is probably what you would get. So, warning you in advance. Um, yeah, okay. But my last song is mm-hmm. Superman. So fair, but n- that's not where mine is. Actually, where? It's a numbers game in the, in in our rankings, if we remember. Wow, mine is p- way too high. Anyway, <laughs> uh, timeless is my very bottom one. 
Wow. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Mine's, that's bottom tier for me as well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think she... Timeless is is interesting because she tried to do Marjorie meets Epiphany meets uh, like Mary Song meets The Last Great American Dynasty meets it's uh... I just I just don't go to this album for those kinds of songs and if I am in the mood to listen to that kind of Taylor Swift song I'm not gonna go back to this one Maybe later. Maybe mm-hmm. one day I'll be in a mood and the lyrics will click and I'll be like, wait, I'm wait. Right. Not in the less than 24 hours after that. So. <laughs> yeah. My next bottom one mm-hmm. is Never Grow Up. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, fair, but that song did almost make me cry last night. Like, oh my so gosh. I, I was like, no thinking. We're turning our Aww. brain off. The thing is, though, is that she sounds like a mother. That's why. I... See, and I noticed that last mm-hmm. night. I, she, yes, I mm-hmm. think I might have even said that, but I yeah. never said it in my mind because I was high, so. No, I, th- I think you said it okay. out loud. But, like, she <laughs> does, she does sound, like, in the original recording, she sounds like a kid who did just move out of her house for the first time. <laughs> and in this one, she sounds, she sounds almost like a mother to her younger self, mm-hmm. which makes sense because of the nature of the re-recordings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no. It sounds very, like, Disney musical mm-hmm. mom, but <laughs> that's fine. But that's the nature of this album, though. Yes. My second bottom is Foolish One. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Sorry. I don't really fuck with a lot of the From the Bolts, except for one, which you could probably guess, and we'll see you later. I can't believe Foolish One is that low. Yeah, I, c- I could just... That's because she's never been in a situationship. No. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, trying to keep it that way. She but. she wouldn't she doesn't understand our plight, the proletariat, the. <laughs> please, 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 please. <laughs> no, I'm I'm proletariat working classes, and you just hunker down each time. You just pick one up, grab them. The issue them with the foolish uh, foolish one being this low for you is mm-hmm. that because Taylor Swift listeners and also listeners to our podcast are pathetic losers. <laughs> That's also with, why. With love. You're all... I mean, look. You'll see when we get to my top songs, there are... There's a sound of Speak Now that I like that are my top songs. And Foolish One does not fall into the sound that I like from Speak Now. So it's... That's just not my favorite production. Like, like production-wise, it's just, like, not what I want to listen to. So... We shall see. Well, anyways, so my third to last one is mm-hmm. Ours. I don't like the production on that one. Honestly, I think the production on Ours and Foolish One is pretty similar. Yeah, except Ours is better. So I except, no, because Foolish, I need one. because Foolish One is fantastic and Ours is... I, I think the lyrics to Foolish One were not... Were, were too complicated for what she was going for at the time oh foolish one yes Mm. that's why it was a vault track whereas ours is too ours to me is too baby which is why it's at the end i I find it kind of annoying the way that like starlight is off of red don't remember that song at all exactly that it's forgettable (laughs) and annoying to me ours but i still know the core i'm like yeah this love is ours but i'm like the ding 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 okay the story here isn't interesting enough for me 
so. I really, I, but I also really enjoy really simplistic songs. And I find that The Foolish One does not, it doesn't go in either direction. It doesn't go intentionally boom, and it's not, <laughs> and it's not, like, sweet and simple enough. Yeah, because it's not a sweet and simple situation, I feel. <clears throat> I'm afraid. My third from the bottom is Electric Touch, which is the Fall Out Boy one. Wow. And had it, had it been on the original album and there was a Taylor Swift X Fallout Boy when Speak Now and On, I know that if it was on the radio, I would have liked it at the time. Now, at my grown age of 22 and the year of 2023, not gonna probably be streaming it. I really like Electric Touch because I enjoy the lyrical content of Electric Touch. And mm. I also think the production is fun to me. Or like really? I, the, yes, the production matches the lyrics to me in a way mm. that... I enjoy, although I do think that the Fallout Boy feature, her sort of her, so her reasoning for it was like, I wanted to include two artists who were most influential for me at the time. Yeah. So. Which, which I see, it, it makes sense for the time that the album came out and having it. I'm like, yes, that's just not where I'm at in my <laughs> life right now, personally. Oh, please. Okay, um, so my, my fourth from the bottom is When Emma Falls in Love. My fourth from the bottom is Superman. Right. My fifth from the bottom is Timeless. Uh, Long Live. Mm, innocent. Oh, mine's right above that. So no, no. Or my next one is Castles Crumbling. Oh, mine's Castles Crumbling right above that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so but see, the thing is, is that I do enjoy Innocent. I do like Innocent mm. as a song. Mm -hmm. And I think Castles Crumbling is also a good song. Mm. I, I like them. I just, I don't know. They're, they're, they're not like earworms in the way that other tracks are, mm -hmm. but I still think they're good, good songs. Mm -hmm. And then my next one is Sparks Fly. My next one is back to December Taylor's version. And I have a note for this one. Yeah. Speak, speak now or forever. No. And, and, and speak now. The thing about, the, about the back to December recording is that I find it boring as hell. I She doesn't give a fuck. She does not. The thing, this one is if you're like, oh, re-recordings are covers and someone was like, but no, it's not. And then they play back to December re-recording. It's Jover for you. Like, <laughs> Not beating those allegations like, whatsoever. It sounds like a cover. A love, a beautiful gowns, gorgeous gowns. Her voice sounds good. She doesn't give a fuck. And <laughs> we were re-listening to the album in doing the rankings, and I was like, pause real quick. I'm gonna queue up the original Back to December after listening to the re-recording. Sorry, illegal activity if you care. And we did. And in the original one, you can hear the defeat. You can hear. <laughs> The sadness. Oh, and this is the other note. Taylor Swift can't act to save her life. No. In a really real no. way. She can tap into her emotions, her real mm -hmm. life emotions, and emote those in the moment. But she cannot put herself into emotional places that she is not actually in. Currently experiencing. And the re-recording of Back to December shows this in which she's vocally better, stronger. You can hear the maturity in her voice, all those things. The emotion is not that she sounds bored. She's she's answering emails in the studio <laughs> while re-recording. The drummer is just stargazing. Just guitar is strumming along. Absolutely nothing in the studio. Just getting through the checklist for the day. And that's fine because she's re-recording an entire ass album plus some. 
if you're gonna record an original off of it, like, that was the first one where I was like, and point to the original. Like, it mm-hmm, just... Mm-hmm. You were really gagged at me saying Sparks Fly, was it? But the yeah. thing is, is that I, I like all of these songs coming forward. I... But Sparks Fly just doesn't really hit it for me, personally. Mm-hmm. But my next one is Speak Now, which also does not really hit it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I when I was ranking this, I was like, I know when it sounds gonna be gagged multiple times <laughs> at my bottom tier, <laughs> or my bottom ha- the second half. I mean, okay. my next one is Never Grow Up, which you had lower. So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. My next one is Better Than Revenge. Wow. My next one is Last Kiss, which might gag you. I mean, no? that's fine. <laughs> Like I mean, that's fine. <laughs> some of just, us, some of us have exp- have gone through the trenches. It, I I don't. Yeah, it's just not. Anyway, <laughs> crickets chirping. Like. Yeah. Just, <laughs> um, I okay. I would say it's better than Reg, and then back to December for me. Okay, my next one is when Emma falls in love. Full disclosure, first time listening to the song, I thought these lyrics were nonsensical. You had no clue what the fuck was happening. I was like, these lyrics in succession (laughs) to each other are not stringing a listenable narrative. I was like, this, what is, what? (laughs) So So what is happening exactly? And then you, but then she, and then he, but then calling your mom, and then you cross the street, but then... In the middle of December, when it's hot as fuck outside, and your sister walks into the kitchen asking you where your laundry is, and I'm like, right. Okay. It's kind of what the first time listening experience felt like for me, I'm not gonna lie. And then I was like, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, gay, gay, gay. And I'm like, how are you even understanding what's going on? I was like, are y'all just calling it gay to call it because Emma's in the title, or are you calling it gay because these are gay lyrics? I'm still not completely sure, if I'm being honest. I still don't fully see the vision. But it's a more up, it's slightly on the more upbeat song, which is why it got up. And that's fully, that is my full analysis of the song. Lord. The reason why... It's better than Revenge and then Back to December for me is because obviously mm-hmm. it's like the re-recording element. Mm-hmm. I love the songs. I love the songs. Mm-hmm. But obviously... Wait, which one? Better than Revenge? Yeah, one from Better than Revenge I to have a, Back to December. I have a note about Better than Revenge. Oh, yes. Can, may I say it now? Mm-hmm. Should I? Go I ahead. Read Better than Revenge in my notes. If she's not going to be a feminist, she needs to be a misogynist. Because why did she change? She's better known for the things that she does in The Mattress... You don't care about women. You do not <laughs> care about not, like, slut-shaming women. Mm-hmm. Stop changing the good lyrics just because they make another woman look bad. The And the lyric that she changed it to is not better. Objectively, not a better lyric, mm-hmm. I think. In terms of just the scathingness mm-hmm. of it, I think, like, that punch, that piercingness mm-hmm. is necessary to the environment of the song mm-hmm. to the aesthetic of the song mm-hmm. that lyric is better and sure mattress matches blah, blah. it's like getting a tattoo covered up almost it's <laughs> like if it's not better just wear a long sleeve like I don't know. <laughs> like that's another one where i'm like girl 
We yeah. but we all know the original, and it's like okay, so are you gonna take out the gay lyric again on when you re-record debut? Like that's gonna be boring as hell. Like no, bring the homophobia, bring the misogyny. Like you're a liberal, like lame ass, milk toast feminist. Like just say the words. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's I think my... that's the popular take on better than revenge recording. Yeah, and to and me- it would have been good. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my better than revenge is one of my favorite songs of hers. But then mm-hmm. when it clicked, when I was like. Did I remember the lyrics wrong, or is that it? And then, and then it was it. No, it really because "Better Than Revenge" is one of my in the top fifth of mm-hmm. my favorite songs of hers ever. So, so in the top like one hundred fifty. Yeah, but um, okay. So then my next one. Oh wait, up, isn't it mine? No, next? no. Oh no. Okay. It's is "Long Live," and again, I love all of these songs my next one is dear john mm-hmm. and okay. then my my one above that is haunted same i i i, I like i like the song i do i do as well we're starting to get more into like likes and faves not just yet but we're getting mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. yeah because i like this album more than you yes except the songs that i like i really mm-hmm. really do like but as a whole, you probably like Speak Now more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like Speak Now more than Fearless, though. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say I like them maybe maybe in maybe an equal amount. I actually don't know. I, I don't know if I could do a song-by-song song comparison, mm-hmm. what would mm-hmm. end up on top. But Just in vibes, I identify as someone who, who, <laughs> who likes, likes Speak Now more than Fearless. Really? Yeah. Interesting. In the almost way of like... Because I identify, <laughs> I identify uh-huh. as someone who, like, I'm ever more first, even though, like, I'm gonna scream folklore. Like, it doesn't... You're gonna scream fol- 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 folklore. Stream you... and scream. I meant yes. this. Oh. Oh, right. <laughs> like, like, I'm still gonna ride or die for folklore. Mm-hmm. But if you ask folklore evermore, I'm always gonna say evermore. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I am with Fearless and Speak Now a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, mm-hmm. probably numbers-wise, they're pretty e- even. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lean speak now though i see i see yeah so and then my next one wait i said haunted and then you said haunted yeah my next one is electric touch my next one is enchanted which if you follow us on twitter would know <laughs> that how i listen to the song is <laughs> yes. if a teen girl was doing a cover of the song and dedicated it to jesus <laughs> with her, her mega church <laughs> band and to the Christian, youth group yeah to the youth group <laughs> And ta- using it as a metaphor to finding Jesus in her heart. And if you listen to Enchanted, thinking of that, you'll hear it. You'll really, and you'll know that just hundreds of teen girls who listen to Taylor Swift have done that over the years. Like, you'll just know. You'll hear it. Yeah, because my, my song above Electric Touch is mm-hmm. Enchanted. Real. Mine above that is ours. Mine above that is The Story of Us. And then it's mine. Mine is mine as well. Wow. Because I love the oh, story of us. Yeah. Like, the story looks a lot like a tragedy now. Like, whoa. Like, yeah, rock on, etc. But then mine is like, that's an OG gay-ass song. Yes. Yes. Like, what do you mean? And I have a note about mine as well. <laughs> I, I, I wrote, I wonder how she feels singing gay lyrics now, or gay lyrics that she would not let herself get away with now. Because I think she... If she, she wrote mine today, that's ever been mine. She would have one hundred percent flipped that. She mm-hmm. could not 
She yeah. wouldn't let herself get away with it, and I think the people yeah. around her wouldn't let herself get away with it. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder how she felt being an adult now, singing something that is probably gayer than she thought was gay at when, the, she, when she wrote, wrote it. it. Yeah. So I'm like, I wonder what that's about. Right. But right, I'm still right, happy right. we have it. Exactly. And then my one above that is Foolish One. I'm sorry. I that oh, I think because your mind is one above oh, yes, mine, yes, so yes. I need to say mine. Yes. My next one is Mean. Yes. Which is one of my faves. Yes. Mean is a very important song. Now we're about, from mine and above, yeah. we're in faves yes. for me. Okay, okay. But see, no, Foolish One is a very important song to me because it was and like... scared. <laughs> you don't. You wouldn't even get it. I would say that each line was like, re, was like her slapping me across the face. Like, don't, don't piss me off. Don't piss me off, bitch. Like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? Anyways. I got worried. <laughs> but my one after that, above that, is mean. So Okay. My next one is Better Than Revenge. I know I was pissy about mm-hmm. the lyric change, but everything besides that, I enjoy. I see. I see. And that's still just general, generally yeah. one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. And then my next one is Dear John. Because something about her six plus minute ballads on this on this album Mm -hmm. is that she spoke now like that came from the soul yeah like she was Mm -hmm. very serious yeah you know uh she she used to have a lot to say she she really she she and she was gonna say it no like and the bridge of like the soaring ass bridge like the just the, the storytelling and the visual richness of the verses and how angry she is in the chorus is like you can still hear it in the re-recording and you can still hear how Mm -hmm. affected yes because you and i think that's also why if you look at how often she mentions the age 19 in her songs like she was still writing about this about being 19 and and having an older guy fuck her over when on midnight's Mm-hmm. When she's in her thirties, mm-hmm. and so of co- re revisiting the song that she wrote when she was in the midst of that relationship as a eighteen to twenty year old must have been insane. Yes, because she's not an actress. The mm-hmm. fact that you can hear emotion in Dear John still, I think, really speaks to how much it affected her. And or I made the comment of like being the age that he was when mm-hmm. he was fucking her over when mm-hmm. she was nineteen. And now revisiting that song probably has to, like, bring up emotions when performing the song because probably her thinking of herself at 19. Like, I can only mm-hmm. imagine of, like, things that grown-ass people did to me that when I was, like, in high school, mm-hmm. even now at 22, still half of their age of, you know, what these adults were doing to, to me when I was a kid. I'm like, you're fucked up for that because mm-hmm. I wouldn't even talk to a 15-year-old like that now mm-hmm. and I'm only in my early 20s. Like, you're actually fucked up. So I can only imagine with what she was going through at that age and now being mm-hmm. this much older, you can just hear it. And yeah. the way we're in Back to December, she really don't give a fuck. <laughs> and here, John, she still gives a fuck. Yeah. And she should. As she should, yeah. Did I say mine that's at the same ranking as you? Number third. Your top third. Oh, no. We skipped a couple of mine, I think. Because I'm... What's your... The last one I said was better than Revenge, and that's one, two, three, four, five. That's oh, so one. what's your fourth? My fourth one is I Can See You. Okay. Yeah, because my fourth one was Mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
And what's your third? Because my third is Dear John. Okay. My third is Sparks Fly. Woo! Woo! Love Sparks Fly. My number two is Last Kiss. My number two is Speak Now. Yeah. It's interesting because my Last Kiss and Dear John is at the bottom for you Mm -hmm. and Speak Now at... at, They're back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Speak Now and Sparks Fly are back to back for me as well at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Because Speak Now and... Sparks Fly are like, are like love songs that are like up tempo. And then Last Kiss and Dear John are like heartbreak and anger Mm -hmm. and yearning songs that are like long and sad. I love when she gets to rock out. We don't get enough rocker (laughs) Taylor. And that is why I love But I'm a cancer. I love to look, I love to be like, oh, remember when... And I'm like, woo! That's how I like to listen to music. And so, yeah. Last Kiss is my number two. And your number two... Was Speak Now. Right. And Forever Hold Your Peace. Mm-hmm. And my number one is I Can See You. Right. I I almost put that as right, my right, number one. Right, right, right. I right, almost right, put right. that as my number one. But then I was like, is it is it cheating to put... Because <laughs> it's a new the, song. Like Exactly. I'm right. like, am I just caught up in the whirlwind of falling in love with a <laughs> yeah, new song? yeah. But you're very correct for that. Yeah. My and that's why it's my number one under my top three of the oh, anyways. Tracks, yeah, yeah, yeah. My number one is the story of us. Yeah. I looks a lot love like a tragedy now. That song. The whole next chapter. Yes. Like the end, the last, the ad libs, the like sound of it. Like I want yeah. more rock Taylor. See, I Give love the story of us, but it really speaks to how much I love the the songs off of the tracks off of this album because mm-hmm. it's number seven on my ranking, but it's like, mm-hmm. I still really love the song. It's so, it's so great and it's so important. And the guitar solo in it. I so think important. the anger and rage that you feel between the ages of 18 and 20 being channeled, like, cause it's just obviously her whole thing about this album is that she wrote it by herself mm-hmm. and she's the only songwriter credited on it. Mm-hmm. So this is, her pure fantasy delusion and hatred and heartbreak and mm-hmm. all like it's it's all unmitigated those, literally because she really spoke unmedicated unmitigated <laughs> no she she had shit to get off of her chest mm-hmm. which is why every song on this album is like five to seven minutes <laughs> five seven minutes of just the most intense feeling in any direction exactly she's like I hate you mm-hmm. I love you mm-hmm. I and. You should kill yourself, and you're a slut, and mm-hmm. I and I'm thinking about my future with you. Like it, it's just it's like wow, and that's and that's being a that's twenty year old teenage girl. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally, and that's real as fuck. Like I'm sorry, because it's very much because we still have the motifs of like the castles and the fairy tales and the weddings and whatnot mm-hmm. that like was still a part of the fantasy world that she was building in fearless Mm -hmm. but and it's there's still those like high school scenes too but she's she's out of it she's moved out and i think like the prologue inside the cds yeah that she sent out were that were as part of the speak now taylor taylor's version is was so enlightening to read here let me go read it right now actually it's a lot 
It's she so, also, I still haven't read it she, because, to be honest, I'm not looking for another chapter book right now. It's she crazy. really had a lot to say. She, As always. Prologue says, when I think back on the Speak Now album, I get a lump in my throat. I have a feeling it will always be that way because this period of time was so vibrantly aglow with the last light of the setting sun of my childhood. I made this album completely self-written between the ages of 18 and 20. I've spoken about how I feel like those ages are the most emotionally turbulent ones in a person's life. Maybe when I say that, I'm really just talking about myself. I think they might just be the most idealistic, hopeful years too. At this point in my life, I had released my second album, Fearless. It became the breakthrough moment I had always dreamed of. One that catapulted my career into new realms of success. It had brought with it a tidal wave of pressures and pitfalls and growing pains. All the while, I was encountering the milestones and checkpoints of normal teenage growth. I had cataclysmic crushes and brushes with heartache. I moved out of my parents' house and set my bags down in a new apartment. I hung photos on my own walls and decorated the space where I would sob and cackle and shatter and dream. Sometimes I felt like a grown-up, but a lot of the time, I just wanted to time travel back to my childhood bed where my mom would read me stories until I fell asleep. In my darker moments, I was tormented by the doubt that swirled loudly around my ascent and my merits as an artist. I was trying to create a follow-up to the most awarded country album in history. Flex. <laughs> like, a very, a, a, a clear flex. And just in case you I was trying uh, in history while staring directly into the face of intense criticism. I had been widely and publicly slammed for my singing voice and was first encountering the infuriating question that is unfortunately still lobbed at me to this day. Does she really write her song? Spoiler alert, I really, really do. In the years since, I've developed a thicker skin about public criticism and the cynicism with which some people approach the music I make. Almost too much of a thick skin, <laughs> dare I say. Dare I say, a little moisturizer might be, <laughs> might be called for. At that time, it leveled me. I had these voices in my head telling me that I had the perfect chance and I blew it. I hadn't been good enough. I had given it all I had and been found wanting. I wanted to get better to challenge myself and to build my skills as a writer, an artist, and a performer. I didn't want to just be handed respect and acceptance in my field. I wanted to earn it. To try and confront these demons, I underwent extensive vocal training and made a decision that would completely define this album. I decided I would write it entirely on my own. I figured they couldn't give all the credit to my co-writers if there weren't any. But that posed a new challenge. It really had to be good. If it wasn't, I would be proving my critics right. I had no idea how much this pain would shape me. That this was the beginning of my series of creative choices made by reacting to setbacks with defiance. That my stubbornness in the face of doubters and dissenters would become my coping mechanism through my entire career from that point forward. This exact pattern of enacting my own form of rebellion when I feel broken is exactly why you're reading these very words and why I'm releasing this and I'm re-releasing this album now. Was stubborn then? Stubborn then. <laughs> I went through my first worldwide scandal, the mic grab seen around the world. Mm. I experienced the weirdness of trying to get to know a boy while a swarm of paparazzi surrounds the car. Media contacting my publicist for an official statement on why two teenagers broke up. These are weird experiences to have at any age, but even more surreal when you're 19. I had the nagging sense that in the most intense moments of my life, I had frozen. I had said nothing publicly. I still don't know if it was out of instinct, not wanting to seem impolite or just overwhelming fear, but I made sure to say it all in these songs. I decided to call the album Speak Now. It was a play on the Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace moment in weddings, but for me, it symbolized a chance to respond to the chatter and commentary around my own life. 
Some of these emotional revolutions were surprising to people. Some expected anger and instead got compassion and empathy with innocent. Some expected a kiss-off breakup song, but instead got a hand-on-heart apology back to December. It was an album that was the most precious to me because of its vast extremes. It was unfiltered and potent. In my mind, the saddest song I've ever written is Last Kiss. My most scathing is Dear John, and my most wistfully romantic is Enchanted. I'll be forever proud of setting a goal and seeing it through. I'll always feel shivers all over when I remember singing Long Live to close the show every night on tour. The outstretched hands of those bright and beautiful faces of the fans. Their support was like an open palm that reached out and helped me off of the ground when others were, frankly, mean. These days, I make my choices for those people, the ones who thought I had been good enough all along. I try to speak my mind when I feel strongly. In the moment, I feel it. I'm still idealistic and earnest about the music I make, but I'm less crushed when people mock me for it. I know now that one of the bravest things a person can do is create something with unblinking sincerity, to put it all on the line. I still sometimes wish I was a little kid again in a tiny bed before I ever grew up. I always looked at this album as my album, and the lump in my throat expands to a quivering voice as I say this. Thanks to you, dear reader, it will finally be. I consider this music to be, along with your faith in me, the best thing that's ever been mine. Yours, Taylor. So that's the prologue to the Taylor's version of Speak Now. And I think it really reflects as to the sort of impetus and like ethic behind Mm -hmm. why she's re-releasing these albums and provides some context as like in her own reflection on Mm -hmm. her previous music. That is really interesting. And I think that it's, it's just, it's so... It's so interesting that the way that she has been, like, denigrated through media and also in her public perception is that she is, like, so earnest and so open about how she feels and, and what she feels. And she is blamed for that and says and is told that she is or and is seen as and framed as, like, you're playing the victim or you are or you're actually actually none of you not nothing of this is earnest and this is actually mm-hmm. like you being conniving and calculating like i think like there's it's it's interesting because of how genuine her music is and then also how genuine her relationship to like her fans are in terms of be existing in the public eye and how mm-hmm. she speaks about it is like you can you can really see how how she still manages to be like you can see why everyone who like meets her is like yeah she's a nice person like <laughs> that's like like that's a nice lady um cuz all of her crazy goes into like her passion her passion <laughs> yeah. for like writing and performing music like mm-hmm. and, and people and everyone else just is like and has to sign NDAs but like <laughs> yeah yeah that's i yes i agree that's all i have for the album if you want to get into recommendations yes 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 can i recommend an app we've never done that before. oh my gosh please yeah I, I was scraping bottom of the barrel last recording please and i haven't consumed anything else right right, so. right, 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 right. okay 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 go ahead Okay, my recommendation is the Scroll app. I'm coming out and publicly announcing what I've been using because people have been asking me what I use for my Instagram posts. If you follow me on Instagram, I've gotten a little creative, one might say, with my Instagram posts. Um, 
post. And listen, does that now mean that I'm investing mm, three to four hours per Instagram post? Yes. Is it for anyone else besides myself? No. But if you're and your Instagram followers. And my Instagram followers. But, like, also if I got five likes, I still would be doing it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, it's about the composition. It's it about... Line words. It's about... <laughs> narrative. Really. My, I'm so... <laughs> like you said narrative just <laughs> took me out. Like, <laughs> I like... It, it, it's a storytelling experience. It, and it is. I like, like to see it as tiny story. Like, if I were to make this it's person a collage. movie. It, it, it's a collage. It's literally, like, a mood board for... That post. For that experience. That era that of your life. Yes. This is I'm, your era's tour. The scroll app. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, like, is it cheesy? Yes. Is this too much since too much investment for an Instagram collaging app and Instagram post? Yes. Am I having the time of my life using it and doing it? Also, yes. So let me share this. I'm assuming it's pronounced scroll, but it's just S-C-R-L, all caps. And it looks like you can do a whole bunch of shit on the app. I don't do anything. I click plus and I click blank. <laughs> I don't even change the ratio aspect or nothing. And then I just go and I'm I'm sizing up. I'm moving forward. I'm going back. I'm pinching. I'm expanding. I'm doing all this stuff. But yeah. it really is it really is quite fun. Um, we already use Visco or are familiar with it. In fact, we talk about it as if it's a regular topic of conversation <laughs> and reference it. Like, remember, Shout out to the Visco girls. Yeah, remember Listen. this exact date when this feature came out and they moved from this to this and then that filter came out and everyone was... We talked about that. So really, Visco and Scroll, those are my two apps and I'm recommending Scroll to you. And if you see it on maybe a photography account or whatever, because that would be cool or whatever, like that would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to make a collage with these photos that I just took, and I'd be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, cool, thanks." So there's there's totally not an ulterior motive with recommending this app. Anyways, right. what's your recommendation? Oh, please. Well, okay. If you talk, if you mention an app, then I have to mention that I did. This is not a recommendation. Why would I recommend okay. this? No. But this is still. But I'm actually this is gonna be my substitute for a recommendation because. We've been busy traveling. We've we, been, yeah. How are we supposed to consume media? <laughs> yeah, also, and then since we're traveling together, everything we consume, we consume together. And then we discuss it on here, guys. Come on. So the, because re- recommendations are things that we have seen. Like, and independently. The other, like and the other person has Yes. Them, and we think the other person would like it. And like, the thing is, we've watched everything together. Mm-hmm. Anything that I watch for the first time, you've already seen, and vice versa. And anything that I do watch on my own that you haven't seen is probably something that you already know of and are not interested in and therefore would be a waste of a recommendation. We've been doing this for two years. <laughs> like, we've been, like, we have to pull shit out the archives like, if we're really good. We have given you so many reviews and recommendations. Please. It's like, we, like, what else does Letterboxd Goodreads have to offer that we have not already curated for ourselves? But anyway. No, because our, our, our Twitter pin thread, our Twitter media, it's very serious over there. So serious. And honestly, a lot of y'all still playing catch up. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's your substitute recommendation? Well, well, the thing is, is that I did download Threads. Um, if we're talking, yes. about, if we're talking yes. about apps, okay. So yes. Threads, if you don't know, 
because you're like a normal Offline. person. You yeah. know, imagine imagine if you didn't need like a lobotomy. Imagine if you didn't have an addiction to social media. Like, imagine if you didn't need to be the the town crier, but like <laughs> in the digital age. Like <laughs> What a phrase. That's gonna go down in a history book somewhere. For sure. For sure. Oh, but no, okay, so I got threads, right? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's it's been interesting to see because it's it's mm-hmm. it's because it's as if you're at Twitter 2.0. And Is it 2.0 though? Be, no no no. 2.0 in that the way that brands were acting at the beginning of Twitter is oh. the way that brands are acting on threads okay okay and it's very hilarious like what do you why is why are you as wendy's tweeting about my social media manager not tweeting threading mm-hmm. about my social media manager let me say whatever i want on here so who's who who up playing what they were or whatever like it's shit like that Girl. that is just like what is this tumblr 2017 like it's just so deeply unserious uh-huh. and also the algorithm because there's like not that much data on it, right? It's mm-hmm. like a brand new app. Your feed, your timeline is just random ass people. It's ra- mm-hmm. it's like people you follow, but it's also random ass people. And like so, the for you page right now. No, because it's oh. not curated because they don't have oh. your fucking data. Well, I mean, apparently Twitter has my data and look at the shit that's on my for you page. <laughs> I'm like, this is what you think of me. All I do is hate, not interested, not interested, block, block, mute, mute, and I'm still getting it. But that's like, Same I'm getting bullshit. like Courtney Kardashian on my like timeline. Like I'm getting like Courtney Kardashian's on Threads. Well, dude, every celebrity and brand is on it, and, and every single one of them on my timeline. Are you kidding me? It's that's capitalism. It's funny though because I'm like, wow, this is really a peek into like mainstream culture, mm-hmm. and now I get to see the thoughts of like people that. I haven't people on Instagram who like I've just we vaguely mutually lurked before, yeah. but now I know what they think. <gasps> I know what makeup artists that I fo- that I'm oomphies with. Mm-hmm. Is it linked to your Instagram yes. account or is it just by Instagram? It's linked to your Instagram account, so it's like a public profile in that way as well. So, and if you delete your Threads account, you delete your Instagram. <laughs> oh, bitch! I'm glad you told me because. <laughs> No, that's the thing. I think the fucking this the the software engineers and shit behind yeah. at Meta Incorporated or whatever the fuck, not serious. They are being like, yeah, sorry, we're working on that. They're not working on it. <laughs> They're not working on it. They do not give they a fuck. They send out a statement. We're working on it. Feet up on the desk, smoking <laughs> cigars inside. Like they're not touching shit. They they turn around in a scroll in a swirly chair, saying we're working on it, and go back to the poker game. Sleeves pushed up to the elbows, green visor on fully. So, no, no. But that's the thing. That's so. Like, that's why people have been commenting on how like, it's as if, Twitter was not anonymized, right? Mm, it's yeah, as if yeah. like you were tweeting, but from Maine mm-hmm. with your grandma. Your cousins, your fucking, your your high school teacher, your high school classmates, and then also your Twitter oomphs 
witnessing that. Because it's your Instagram followers. I already have my story <laughs> and Twitter notes. Or, like, Instagram notes. I don't need this pressure of a mixed audience on another separate hellish app that now means that I, if to delete, I'd have to delete my Instagram. That sounds... That is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> no, that but, is that is an MLM. That is a... That's a con. <laughs> that's not right. Oh, my God. Yeah, but there are some people, some of our oomphies have just totally migrated to it. I know. And honest, listen, I believe in, in sticking to where you from whence you came and I've been on Twitter for this nine years. This is the thing. See, this I is like this is like a booktuber dies. that I watch occasionally uh-huh. and it's like why am I seeing your thoughts every 5 minutes now? See, is that the people that I follow, I follow people on Instagram because why? I don't want to know their thoughts. Why am I seeing these random book book influencers thoughts? Like if you unfollow an account on Threads, does it unfollow unfollow their Instagram account as well or can no. you follow one or the other? You can follow one or the other. Okay. So that's not but you can also link it so that everyone that you follow yeah, on Instagram automatically links. And same that's why I have this many followers because oh. everyone people who have that setting on does. But like Got it. I, it's interesting now because now I have to divide what I tweet and what I and what I post on threads. As if private, main, <laughs> pod, circles, public, there's enough of a greater divide. Now we're doing that times two on a separate app. I already, every time I think, have to, and then I open my profile and I'm like, which of the six accounts? And then to which circle audience? Or But that's the, the thing. See, I don't, because I got permanently suspended off Twitter, and it was that was my public mm-hmm. account. That was my account mm-hmm. that was like, my username's attached to that mm-hmm. you, in terms of my booktube. Like, you can see all my unhinged fucking thoughts mm-hmm. on there. And for some reason, I had, like, 4,500 followers. And that was insane. Finally, they nuked me. Fine. Mm-hmm. But now, with this new app that millions of people are joining, and that's attached to your Instagram, that's very public, now I'm like, okay, well, now I can be a little... I can have some decorum, but speak to the people. Rebrand. Right? Yeah. Like, speak to the audience that uh-huh. wants to know what's happening. Don't need to be Keep in the... Keep it classy. Don't, right, right, right. Have some cool Exactly. Like, my most recent threads, and it's, you know... Your same... most recent threads. Do we see where we're going as a society? <laughs> what happened to farmers? Do we farmers? see what's happening to the English language? This is not what Shakespeare <laughs> No, okay. My first one was, mm-hmm. why does no one tell you when you're depressed as fucking middle school that one day you'll be on a road trip up the California coast with your lesbian best friend and then four photos? Because the thing is, you can post True. up to ten photos. And it scrolls like this way. You can scroll mm-hmm, left mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Isn't that gaggy? And then... I'm not... You <laughs> I will not let the door-to-door salesman. I will not... I, I slipped. It was on camera. You saw me slip, but I sobered up. I gotta stay sharp, because that's how the apps get you. You gotta stay sharp. Don't try and fool me with this up to 10 photo postings on a Twitter-like app. I must stay strong to my principles. <laughs> and then, and, okay, worst feature, and people people are really liking this one. 24 mm-hmm. likes on threads? That's as if... That's a hit tweet. That's literally a hit tweet. I'm sorry. Worst feature on here so far is death the randomized users on the feed slash timeline. Like, we really DJF. Why is Kevin Abstract on my feed? Who are these people? I... Why, why would I be interested in this? Like... I don't. This is random. It literally looks. Pop? 
scrolling through this, it literally feels like scrolling through your Twitter and your Instagram and like random. Exactly, exactly. Because I'm like, I need to. I'm like, like it feels normal and not, but then different normal, Mm -hmm. but then also. Uh Because as I'm scrolling through it, I'm like, wait. I have to identify how I know these people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, wait, this is someone that I met at a conference four years ago, and they're talking about someone about they're talk they work in the nonprofit industrial complex now that they're and then this is an artist that I follow who's retweeting another artist, and that is another book person, and then film Twitter person responding to Elsie K Fisher, who's not on this app now. Oh my god! Oh my god! And like the different organizations and nonprofits. And book clubs are being so annoying. So annoying. I mean, well, and when are they not? But like, <laughs> like, they're being so specifically annoying on this new app. Because it's a new app. They, they're mm-hmm. like, well, we got to capitalize on this. Mm-hmm. Like, and oh my god, there were so many posts that were like, who's going to be the new thread influencer? Shut the fuck up! We need to kill every influencer. <laughs> no, and like, people are saying, people were posting on Instagram being like, threads is making me realize that none of y'all are funny. And- <laughs> Vine boom sound. Like, okay, but how are we not? Every couple of months, when like a new gaggle of like <laughs> like Twitter hit tweet people come up, Sunny and I would be like, we've now that we've seen that a couple of times, <laughs> what and we'll be like, not funny, overhyped, not worth it, no bad. The people that we hate on, like the big names that we hate on. Anyway, so. Okay, but then I'm like, okay, well, if book people follow me, then I'll talk about books. Yeah, yeah, And then I was like, okay, let me explain my username. Now that, Mm because this is the other thing, because it's not notes or Instagram story, Mm -hmm. I'm like, my Instagram followers are seeing this, but Mm -hmm. I don't have to do like a fucking text post on my my story for no reason, really. Mm -hmm. And I also don't have to, and I don't have to condense my, a note to like, notes are just for like, you know, 10 words to a phrase, a song. Mm -hmm. This was me talking about my username. Mm-hmm. At Sunny Box House on Instagram. And this is what I said. My username comes from number one. The Last Great American Dynasty by Taylor Swift. Quote, it was Sunny. Her salt box house on the coast took her mind off St. Louis. And obviously, my name is Sunny. And I'm from St. Louis. So, like. Mm-hmm. And two. It's a reference to this novel I read this year that I really, really loved in ways that I can't fully express in words. And then a old ass photo that's kind of crusty. And then... Oh, wait, you didn't say the title of the book, though. Oh, yes. The Very Nice Box by... And and I recommended this on an episode mm-hmm. pretty recently. Oh, my God, it doesn't let you zoom. I didn't even notice that. What? Eve Gleichman and Laura Blackett. I remember recommending this. Mm-hmm. I've also... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this and, and I think this is a bit of a hit thread as well. Losing the LGBTQ IDGAF wars via a public based a public text based social media platform again, post permanent public Twitter suspension, might be important for me. There's two types of people: <laughs> one that understood that with no hesitation, and one that had to question if they did speak English. <laughs> Woo! Anyways, my most recent thread as of this very moment is Gaylor posting, and it's mm-hmm. just fun to see who liked this because i'm like who are my instagram followers and it's like oh those are our podcast listeners because y'all are real because y'all are real is your profile picture linked to your instagram as well so like yeah. if you change on one it changes on the other i don't think you can change it on here you can't change your info on here you can mm-hmm. change your bio but usually it, it automatically updates as your yeah, name yeah. and your bio is the same but your profile picture and your username are gonna be attached and the same as your 
Instagram profile. Who's scared? It's like, it's like if you take the anonymity out of Twitter, mm-hmm. right? Which some of y'all need. <laughs> some of y'all need to see the light of day. Some of y'all's faces need to be public when you post. Most definitely. I can see a value in that. Personally. And then it made your audience not, you know, the all gay people who had your specific interests, but rather mm-hmm. everyone who follows you on Instagram, which is in this day and age, you know, your mom and mm-hmm. your and neighbor and childhood friends, the person you met at camp seven years ago. Yeah, literally anyone that I've met from 12 to yesterday, I have on my Instagram account. Exactly. Like every and person. And now if they have threads, they have access to my thoughts whenever I choose to put, put them out. We'll see how this goes for society. Anyone else here in the next presidential election and the use of threads? Threads X like, president elections? And it's funny because some people on here like are have clearly never used Twitter or mm-hmm. haven't used Twitter in years. Mm-hmm. Or like stopped using Twitter because it was too toxic of a community and now they're just using threads. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is very interesting. We'll see how the ecosystems grow. No, I like, was like, I'm like, I, I, is... I enjoy being one of the first scientists in the lab of this petri dish. I, I was literally about to say petri dish. I'm just gonna watch it. I feel like this bit of swab has been made mm-hmm. and laid down, and I'm just gonna right, 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 right. Maybe I'll. Do you have to have a public? Is it no? I made one for my finsta. Okay, there we go. But I, I don't think you can... I was trying to see if I could switch between profiles, between mm-hmm. my main and, like, my private. Mm-hmm. But you can't really do that easily within the app yet. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're trying to yeah, figure that out. Get but fleshed out. I, but you can... If you make one profile for one account, mm-hmm. it, it'll just be your private account. And it'll okay. link it, too. Okay, 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 okay. I'm thinking, like, maybe for, like, my media... Because I was like, I have my media... Instagram accounts, mm-hmm. and then that way, if Twitter does collapse, Anna, then like yeah, you know, like yeah, I yeah, could, yeah, yeah, yeah. and not it's, have it linked mm-hmm. to like mine, so it'd be the audience that already follows me for me talking mm-hmm. about media, so it'd be a little less depersonalized. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't care about deactivating it, because I'd probably just become inactive on the app rather than thinking about deleting it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, so mm-hmm. basically. That is, that's our episode for today. Notice how when we're in real life, it's shorter episodes because our backs get tired and we're sitting on the ground. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and also it's not, what did you say? Sorry, Wi-Fi. So I have to go, I have to get pee. So I have to get my laundry. I have to get pee? So I have to go pee. I have to get my laundry. Wait, I need to fill up my water bottle. Wait, hold on. Someone's knocking at my door. Like... So much. Oh, yeah. And also, I think there's something about Zoom that lets you just talk and talk and talk and talk. Mm-hmm. In real life, you you got to cut that shit out. Our asses are on hardwood floor. <laughs> Time is up. <laughs> Anyways, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And yeah. subscribe to our Patreon to, to, for... Bonus episodes. Love us. Yeah, we just to get some stickers get with some our logo stickers. on it. Like, get access to our episodes early. Like, three, three days to a week in advance. Like, that type of thing. But yeah, anyways, that's all we have for you, you today. Bye! Bye!